Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is brought to you by ID Shield, the most comprehensive identity theft protection and reputation management solution available. ID Shield provides credit monitoring and alerts, digital privacy management, and guaranteed restoration services. I use it myself, and you can get it too. Visit getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. That's getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. Isaac, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't we just start with talking about what St. Croix Festival Theater is, where it's at, and and what you guys do. Sure. St. Croix Festival Theater is a professional theater that has existed in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin since 1991. The organization started out as an equity house back then, and it moved into the Civic Auditorium downtown. St. Croix Falls, and we briefly moved out of the Civic Auditorium about six years ago for renovations, but that sort of got put on hold and has sort of been a political debate item for the past six years in St. Croix Falls, but we still exist. We perform in a a little black box space, which means like a tiny space for theater downtown St. Croix Falls. So a couple things that you said in there, you go back to the equity house. What does that mean? The easiest way to say, uh, to talk about equity is that equity is like an actor's union. So essentially it means actors have to have a certain amount of time working for uh, big theaters or commercial work before they are allowed to join an actor's union. We are no longer an equity house, but at the time when it moved into St. Croix Falls, It meant that they could only hire equity actors. It also sort of put them on the national radar, this company. Um, And they sort of got a shtick of, we're going to produce lost plays, like plays that aren't produced very often. That changed. Many things have changed with festival theater since then. Yeah, but that's what equity means. Okay. And when you say you're a professional theater, what distinguishes that? Great question. I I guess... uh, That means that we're hiring, you know, we hire actors from around the nation to come join us. We are paying our staff living wages, and we generally don't audition people from around the community. The biggest distinction I think of is a community theater. They're generally not paying their performers. They're probably paying their designers and maybe the people on staff are getting paid, but it's always a question mark. And mostly they're auditioning people from around the community. So it's more like a job. Okay. You've got people coming in nationwide for acting in the plays, it sounds like. Especially for our summer company, our summer company, we hire, we sort of go through a a search. A lot of them come from the Midwest, of course, there are actors everywhere, but we also Like this past summer, we had a performer from California, from Florida, from uh, plenty from the Midwest as well. Our biggest search happens. We there's like uh, what's called catacall auditions, which is a terrible name, (laughs) Um, but it's absolutely true. It's just like one actor after another comes in. They do a minute long monologue and if they want to be in a musical they perform a one minute segment from a piece of musical theater and then it's the next it's one actor after another hoping for hoping to land a job yeah so for our summer intern program we generally get a lot of people from around the nation and then for our fall play and our winter play 
Um, usually it's people that we've worked with before. We've always got our feelers out for more actors and more designers. Yeah. So the black box theater that you're working out of, where is that located? It's uh, on Main Street in St. Croix Falls. It, it actually used to be a um, Ben Franklin department store. I actually grew up in St. Croix Falls. And when I was growing up, it was this tiny little department store that was also sort of an antique store, just a tiny, tiny version of Walmart essentially. And when we desperately needed a new space, they were selling that space. And in the Civic Auditorium, there was like sort of a tiny little black box space in the bottom of it. So we had been used to being in a smaller space. And we took a look at this weird empty space and said, yeah, we can make a black box theater out of this temporarily. Um, And then it's just turned out to be less temporary than we thought it would be. So the fact that you're hiring in actors from across the nation, you're putting on some pretty good shows, it sounds like. I like to think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure every theater does, but yours are paid. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's not people that are in their adolescent phase of acting. You're, you're getting real professional actors that are tenured, it sounds like. Sure. Well, it's not equity anymore. And uh, most theaters everywhere have a limited budget. And, and I would say the same thing about us. We, uh, we do get as talented of people as possible, but we do have a limited amount of money that we can offer them. And, and that's, uh, as a professional actor, that's sort of like that weird balance that you got to figure out. Am, am I willing to go to this place and, uh, perform this great role for this amount of money? And that's a hard choice to make. And, and to make it really big, to make a, a ton of money is is very rare as an actor. And so we do get very talented people. I would say a lot of the people that we get from around the nation in our summer are sort of coming out of that spot from like college into their professional life. Okay. I would call it more of like a stepping stone theater. When I was growing up, theater was a hobby. And I just got connected to festival through through like a, a summer, our, our summer town festival is Wanigan Days, right? And uh, my dad was someone involved in setting that up. And so he knew that festival theater was looking for somebody to play in like a little Wizard of Oz theater show that was outside for kids to enjoy during this town festival. And the person that was the artistic director liked working with me and liked that I was the local person. But then I had to learn from being like a high school theater person to a college theater person that like stepping stone of learning how to work harder to do that is like one step in an actor's life. And then to step from college theater work, which is, you know, you're working harder, but then working it in a professional environment is another stepping stone of learning how to work that hard on theater and how to demand very good theater in a limited amount of time under a limited budget. Yeah. So do you do work with the community then where you're hosting youth programs or do you invite some of the youth to be a part of the plays? We do. We run two youth and family shows a year where we audition local kids and let them work with our professional designers and actors and directors. Sometimes the professional actors are in the show. Sometimes, most of the time, they're like directing it and leading the kids in workshops. So do you want to talk about the 
original space that you were in in 91 at all? Do you want to talk about that building? Sure, we can talk about it. Yeah, it's a, a beautiful, I, I believe it's a historic building. Actually, when the influenza pandemic hit, which I think was in 1917, it was actually a makeshift hospital for that. <laughs> and then it was used as a makeshift hospital during wars as well. But then for a long time, it was like a very old school movie theater. And it's a beautiful, I think it's like 300 seats, historic auditorium. When I first started with festival, that was in 2011 to 2014. I was an intern to a guest artist, which is their highest paid actor position. You know, we performed in there back then. And actually, when I grew up here, the high school plays were performed in there as well. So I got to be in that space a little bit. And there are definitely things that that need renovating about it. For example, like uh, handicap access is not very good, really need an elevator. It just is old and a little worn down and needs repairs before it's ready for people to be back in there. But it, it is a beautiful space and we're looking forward to possibly being back in there. That's all up in the air, depending on what's going on with the new people that own it. Okay. So it's not owned by the theater then? No, uh, the city owned it and the theater rented out of it during that whole time. Okay. And so the city must have sold the theater to a private party? To my knowledge, they sold it to a developer or a set of developers. Got it. And so is some of the controversy surrounding what the plan is for the future of the theater? Um, yeah, it was unused for so long. And some people believe that that civic auditorium is like the key to the future of St. Croix Falls and its growth potential. And some people think it's an empty building that isn't being used and that it's sort of a, a blight on the town, <laughs> essentially. Some people really like the arts. Some people are just like, I don't want my property taxes to be raised from this building being renovated. And I don't care that uh, it has potential for our town to grow. I don't necessarily want my town to grow. So that's sort of like the back and forth. That went on and honestly different city governments in St. Croix Falls in the past six years this has been like a big uh, I'm for this or I'm against this and whether or not you're going to vote me into the city government has a lot to do with this or because I believed in this or I don't believe in this that says a lot about what I believe in for the future of this town and so I got a little ugly sometimes right now we have a a group that are really for the Civic Auditorium, for its existence and renovation and, and believe in the possibility of it. So that's nice. It's always nice to have, you know, positive energy and people who are looking for growth. Yeah. How, is, how does the city have an impact on it if it's owned privately? That's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> but it, it wasn't owned privately for the longest time. Um, it, just, it just got sold or is in the middle of it in the past like year. Oh, okay. So perhaps that debate will fizzle now that it's owned privately and it's not tax dollars that would be going into the renovation of it. Yeah. And so then the hope probably turns into hopefully whoever purchased it is able to rent it out to establishments like St. Croix Festival Theater. Right. Okay. Yes. Well, I would say going to a private party where they, they've purchased it seems like it would be a good move if the if it's just been stagnant between debate within the city. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a, it's like the first forward momentum the project has had in 
a long time, the possibility of that building, but then like the forward momentum started before the pandemic started. And so then the pandemic hit and everybody's plans went up in the air and, and now it's just sort of like, okay, we're sort of coming back alive now. What now? But it, that's up to the developers. Well, fingers crossed. It sounds like there's some hope with it. So what other projects are you guys working on right now? Um, right now we're in a uh, rehearsal for a play called True West by Sam Shepard. It is a wonderful play and very well cast. It's kind of a, it's a four person cast, which is very small. And it's, uh, it's about these two brothers. One is a writer and one is a drifter thief con artist that is very charismatic. And these two brothers, essentially you find out they, that they want the lifestyle that each other has. And it's kind of a sibling rivalry play about that, where it seems like either they will partner up or they will kill each other by the end, which sounds serious, but it's, it's very funny. It's, it's a, such a well-written play. It's both like, it's naturalistic, but it's also kind of surreal and it's, it's very tense and unnerving, but it's also funny and a, a little like heartwarming. Would you say the age group for this play is probably later teen on up to adult, or is this for kids? It's definitely not for kids. Um, it's not. It's not too profane or anything like that. It's just I, yeah, I would call it a little more mature. I would say like twelve and up. Okay, would be okay. And you know, uh, because of the area that we're in, we. If there are things that are super profane in our place, we we tend to censor them a little bit, you know, just yeah. mostly like f bombs, right? <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, our our clientele do not like that; they don't like hearing it in live art, and so we say, okay, let's figure out the best way to say this without saying it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I would say twelve and up, um, okay. or a very mature ten year old. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much do tickets range for your shows typically? Our ticket prices are typically $26 for adults and $13.50 for youth, which our age range is 5 to 25. Okay. There's also, we have like a flex pass ticket system where people can buy, you know, six or 10 tickets for the whole year of 2022 is what we're gearing up to sell for. It's a great way to expose kids to Mm -hmm. arts, spouses that have never been to a play. That was kind of our situation. For us, we have really looked at the smaller theaters as a blessing. When my husband and I got married, we were strapped for cash. You know, he was getting started in his career. I was getting started in mine. I love the theater. He had never been exposed to the theater because he grew up on hockey skates and that was his life. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we started to just get out and try different plays and and different things. And he found a love for it as well. And then as our son got older, we were able to take him. And you know, especially with a little kid, you don't want to buy tickets to a Broadway play, you know, at 150 bucks a pop and have Mm -hmm. your young kid need to leave or something. It's like, oh crap, but we just spent that money and we had to miss half the play. It's a great way to expose those younger kids, maybe not for True West, but uh, for some of your, like the Goldilocks on trial play would be a great one to expose kids to the theater, right? Yeah. And it's great. It's great for kids to try it too, to be able to audition for places and 
and work. Of course, uh, many schools have wonderful uh, arts education programs as well. I always wonder, you know, you've got the kids that have parents that maybe were in the theater. And so naturally they are, you know, growing up with it and involved in it. But I seem to always cross paths with someone that says, man, I really wish I would have had the opportunity to, but I was, you know, always in sports and I just didn't see, you know, they just go down a different path and they don't get exposed to it. Or even adults that say, it looks like it would be fun. I think I would enjoy it, but I'm too scared to try it. You know, if, if someone hits their late twenties, early thirties, fifties, sixties, and they're going, I wish I would have, what advice would you give to someone like that? I would I would say go for it. Just do it. Theater, the theater community, you know, this is a generalization, but one of the most accepting, welcoming, (laughs) and like looking for people, theater made me feel very empathetic to people and helped me to sort of discover myself and, and also to discover a love for people that are different from me. People talk about try experiencing something from my shoes. Well, that's my job. (laughs) <laughs> is to do that and to not only do that, uh, I, I like playing antagonists because even though I don't agree with what this character is doing, it's fun to empathize. It's fun to say, oh, this person is the hero of their own story and how does that feel? And, you know, I don't agree with these things personally, but you know what? When I'm playing that character, I get to, and that makes me empathize for so many people, yeah. which I love. But yeah, theater is so welcoming to new people and there are lots and lots of opportunities for anybody experienced or not a theater director or auditioner is going to be able to tell where you're at and more than likely than not they're going to want to work with you where you're at you know dip your toes in a small role and teach you a little bit Um, but there's tons of There's tons of classes, tons of workshops, tons of community theater all over the place. There are so many opportunities for people to dip their toes in. And the thing that people worry about is like, how am I going to learn those lines? (laughs) You know, but when you start out, you're not going to have a lot of lines. Yeah. You're you're just going to have to have an openness to a new experience. Yeah. Well, and there's always an opportunity backstage to help, correct? Yes, definitely. There's a lot of technical stuff going on. That's its own. uh, thing and that's also it's within theater so they're welcoming back there too so you said that you started in theater at a pretty young age i actually didn't start in theater until i was 16 i was tricked into a a singing audition by my friends my my dad was a collegiate athlete so he was a collegiate wrestler and he also played on his college's football team but i was essentially groomed to be a collegiate athlete i was just a huge nerd on the side with my friends. I always kept singing and theater as sort of a hobby that I did while I was mm-hmm. going through my collegiate career. And through that, I got connected to professional work with Festival and with other companies in the Twin Cities. And after a long enough of like, oh, I've made money doing this. I can make money doing this and I love it. So then I decided to be a professional artist. That's pretty amazing that you were that ingrained into athletics. And then even later into your teen years, you started to gravitate more toward like what you said, the things that you're naturally talented with. So that's a great transition that you made. Was there a moment for you when you were on stage where everything kind of clicked like this is where I'm supposed to be? 
the thing I love most about theater is actually in like the rehearsal process and in exploration. Uh, while I do love performing and I love sharing the energy and the energy of the audience pushes us as actors and we push the audience as as performers. But I, I think in a, a course I took in college and it was sort of this uh, like very like when people talk about like avant-garde theater exercises, this was like you start out as a seed on the ground and you're growing into a tree and then you're becoming the first human and then you're walking and discovering water and then you go backwards and become the human that just got birthed that turns back into a tree and grows down back into the seed into the earth and something about that like exploration you know you look at it from the outside and it's very silly and it's just like what are these people doing but if you're experiencing it in your body and really empathizing it it feels very profound and it, once you let go of like your um inner voice is saying this is stupid this is stupid why are you doing <laughs> this and instead try to sort of empathize or, or feel that if it was like a, a profound experience of like oh my body is and mind is more capable than than I ever knew it was. And so to me, that's exciting to sort of rediscover our own capabilities. That's what I think of. It wasn't like a moment on the stage, though. There are so many moments of joy on the stage, even in one particular show. So what is there to look forward to after True West for the St. Croix Festival Theater? We have a concert in October. Rick Gilman, who is a, a great guitarist, he is a great uh, six string and 12 string guitarist and he's bringing up his son who's also a great guitarist and vocalist um, and then he's also bringing a drummer and I want to say somebody that plays the oboe the oboe as well so that's going to be cool. a great sort of guitar bluegrassy sort of night that'll be fun that's in October and then we have a guest theater performance there's a, a duo that does like Ole and Lena comedy shows around the Midwest. They're coming in for a Thanksgiving show. I want to say it's called Elaine Lena's Family Thanksgiving. That's November 5th to 7th. Then our Christmas show is The Gift of the Magi. And that will play the week after Thanksgiving until right before Christmas. And you are posting your events to getoutandtry.com, which I greatly appreciate. Thank you so much for being a part of Thank it. Thank you for doing your thing. I was so excited when I found this blogging podcast. I was like, this is cool. I love this. Thank you. And how else can people find about find out about what you're doing? Uh, they can go to our website, festivaltheater.org. We also have a Facebook and uh, Instagram, and those are posted to fairly regularly. On our website, you can sign up for our e-blasts. You can also look at the Get Out and Trying event calendar and, and we'll, uh, we'll be working with y'all. That wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all the fun in the Valley. Go, get out and try.